With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What are you waiting for? Come on in. This podcast may contain graphic content and strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, Hannah. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I am fantastic, as always. That's what we like to hear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moscato, everybody. I'm I'm Hannah Green. I am Mary Swartz. Yay! We are absolutely thrilled to have you here with us today. Oh, yes, we are. Anything new in your life? Of course not. I know. You're like... started wrapping Christmas presents. Oh. Um, speaking of wrapping, I need some wrapping paper. Okay. For a birthday. Okay. All right. Just don't let me forget. Okay, there's birthday paper in there, too. Because I'm leaving. Oh. Next week. And I'll be gone for six days. Oh, then we better get some shit done. Because... Before you go. I am headed to Canada to celebrate. We know what you're going to do there. We don't need to hear about it on air. (laughs) To celebrate Mr. Jingleheimer Schmidt's birthday. I think your birthday's coming too. Nope. I don't have birthdays anymore. No birthdays? Nope. I have no birthdays. Wow. You know, for some reason, I thought you were having a birthday sometime soon. Nope. That is the strangest thing. No, Mr. Jingleheimer Schmidt's birthday is two weeks from today. Wow. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Mr. Jingleheimer Schmidt. Oh. Happy birthday to Yeah, uh, so November 8th, uh, if anybody feels the need, you can post a little happy birthday on our Facebook page to him. Um, yeah, so I thought I'd, that'd be a nice, fun thing to do. Hell yeah! But uh realized that it's been a long time since I wrapped birthday presents. Oh. and uh, so, I always have paper in there. I always do. So I do not own any birthday paper. I just buy it at the thrift store, bring it home, and stuff it in my little... I mean, because that works perfectly for wrapping paper. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... So if I find it at the thrift store, I buy it. I don't care. Good job. Hell yeah. Yeah, so I uh, I, I might have to raid your wrapping paper. Okay. All right, you that's what's that. new in my life. Awesome. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. I don't have birthdays anymore, but he... He has birthdays. No. Uh, he has 
He has something planned, and all I've been told is he has a lot to get done, and don't be mad at him. Okay, I guess you better not be mad at him. I don't think that I could ever really be mad at him, <clears throat> at least not Good. for very long, so. Good. Uh, you want to talk about what we're drinking today? I would love to. Oh my gosh. So, when we were on vacation, we, uh, as always stopped at various wineries in the areas that we were at local wineries nothing big and nothing major we stopped at this little one in peru uh indiana called mcclure's so they have orchard yeah so they have animal barns orchards oh my god it was so fun they have uh like a restaurant and they have a winery slash cidery um the service was really good. We ate there. The, the it was super reasonably priced. Oh yeah, the food was so good. The uh, the young lady that waited on us was so much fun. Um, our tastings were amazing. The gift shop was well priced and amazing. The whole animal barn was so much flipping fun. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, I got so many pictures of you guys with oh, all the animals. It was so cool. I know, um, I know. I got licked by a cow and loved on by a cat. And yeah, they had goats and they had they had little miniature ponies and, and oh my gosh, the ducks or the geese or whatever they were ducks. Oh, yeah. they were so loud. <laughs> Honking, honking, honking at us. Oh, so much fun. So, it was a good time. Um, this is a Orchard by Allison and Jason McClure. Um, and this is what they say about this one. Our tree ripened apples are picked by hand, sorted for quality, and sent to our cider, our antique rack and cloth press to create a blended cider. We ferment this cider in stainless and age it in rum barrels. We sweeten it up. And add some natural lime and spearmint flavors. It's sweet, crisp, and delightfully summery. Um, this is a mojito cider. We've already tried it. It's so flippin' good. It's one of the ones that we tasted while we were at the cidery. And yeah, um, I have to say I've never had a mojito before. And I've never had a mojito cider. Oh, I love mojitos. And this is absolutely absolutely fantastic yes and when we were on vacation and we stopped there i think my post said this is a must stop for anyone in the area this is a must go to place it was just such an amazing wonderful experience and interestingly enough we've driven past it yes many 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 times and never stopped well it is definitely on both of our lists to stop every time we're in the area that's what i was just gonna say i will bet you we do not miss stopping again we will stop there again All right. Okay, so that's what we're drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have... minutes later. Oh, no. No, it's worth talking about for 15 okay. minutes. Yes, I do. I have a birthday. Okay. Tell, tell us about the asshat of the day. Born on October 25th of 1965 in St. Louis, Missouri, Maury Troy Travis was a human scumbag. In 2001, he was a waiter working in a local hotel, and he was also on parole for armed robbery. Now, between April and October that year, six women were found dead, having been tortured and strangled. Um, I have actually seen this story, and I didn't realize it when I started the birthday, but I have seen this story, I've heard this story. Where of this story also, weren't they all found around the motel where he worked? The hotel where he worked? 
Or they had some tie no, to the... I don't think so. Okay, it no. must not be the no. one I'm thinking of, because okay. there is someone who who his victims had ties to the hotel. Um, so, Maury had actually created a torture chamber in the basement of a home that his mother, Sandra Travis, owned, where he was staying. So, here's what he would do. He would pick up drug-addicted prostitutes. He would befriend them. And ask them if they wanted to get high with them. What drug addict isn't willing to get high for free? Right? Okay. He would walk them to the house where he would attack them, take them to the basement. He would torture them for days before strangling them and dumping their bodies around town. He videotaped these attacks. Oh, God. Sometimes I... Mm. This douche fuckwad... Um was so heinous with his victims that the police department actually had to hire, I wouldn't even call them, I, I don't know, psychologists? Yes. To help the officers that had to watch these videos after they'd God, I them. can't even imagine. I can't either. In fall of 2001, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch newspaper ran a profile piece on Teresa Wilson, one of his many victims. And of course... The killer felt the need to respond to the story. He sent an anonymous letter to the newspaper along with a computer-generated map that he had printed out. The letter had a return address of ithraldom.com, which is a bondage website. In his letter to the newspaper, Maury Travis wrote, I'll tell you where many others are. And then he wrote, to prove I'm real, here's directions to number 17. And investigators did indeed find a victim in the location he had specified. Oh, God. Two of his victims were connected to him. Number 17 was not one of them at the time. And he was arrested on June 7th of 2002. Investigators found his torture chamber. They found several cells he had created to hold the women because sometimes he had multiples at the same time. Oh, my God. He, he, they found videotapes that acted as a diary of his crimes, um, which included mur murder and dismemberment because sometimes he would dismember them, put them in garbage bags, and just dump them. They found a stun gun, and they found newspaper clippings of his crimes that he had saved. This fucked up asshat of a douche canoe twat waffle without syrup had the pleasure of hanging himself on June 10th, three very short days after his arrest. He left behind a suicide note, which was so thoughtful of him. He was on suicide watch, where the guards would check on him every 15 minutes, but for some reason that evening, I'm not even going to say unfortunately, the guards missed two consecutive checks, and that's when he chose to take his own measly little life instead of allowing justice to do its thing. So happy on birthday to this one fucking human being who's gotten my blood boiling. Mm. And my, one of my questions, I have a lot of questions about people like this, but one of them is, he kept them for days. He tortured them for days. Yep. At what point did he decide, I'm done with them? What makes him decide, all right, I'm done? Possibly... They couldn't take anymore? Possibly when they couldn't take anymore. Possibly when they no longer responded to the pain. Because that's how he got his kicks. I mean, there are so many At possibilities. At some point in time, the human body shuts down. And it's not like we're ever going to know because obviously... No. He was a fucking coward. Yes. 
So many was. of them are, unfortunately. Yes. Well, we're gonna we're gonna take this in a, a little bit different direction. You always do. I try to. I do. Although sometimes my on this days are sad and dark and crime related. This one, this one's not. Good. In 1964, the British rock band, the Rolling Stones, made its first appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show. Ooh. Yeah. So there you go. Rolling Stones. Nice. I know, right? Yeah. I mean, I realize that there might be people out there in the world who have never heard of or never listened to a Rolling Stones song or if you haven't just humor me go find one Rolling Stones song and listen to it nice they're classics hell yeah yeah they are all right I assume that you have a story for us because it is your week I have a story but before you have a how stupid can you be don't you I do all right Now, I'm just going to let you decide if they're stupid or not. I mean, they're criminals, so of course, in my opinion, they're stupid. But this comes from uh, KIRO7, which is a news station out of Seattle. Frustrated West Seattle business owners say crime is so rampant, they often don't even bother calling the police. Can you imagine? That is fucked up. And if you have own, if you have business owners saying that, the police department needs to step up their game and take notice. This is an example of why. A brazen burglar broke into one West Seattle gas station three times in six hours over one weekend. What is the purpose of the second and the third time? During that burglary spree, he found time to go next door. And try to break in there, too. Maybe he was hungry. Maybe he needed snacks. Maybe he needed a beer run. I don't know. Okay. Now these owners say they want more help to protect their businesses. Some who were there say Seattle police actually talked to the suspect and let him go. Again, being a suspect doesn't mean you're guilty. It doesn't mean you get arrested, either. Doesn't mean that they can prove that you did it. The officer that the station talked to said he couldn't confirm that statement that they had spoken to the suspect and let him go. But he did say that even if that is so, they record all interactions so they have a good picture of the suspect and that it will now be part of their investigation. So the whole thing started, uh, it it was just after 3.30 a.m. Sunday morning, A man wearing mismatched boots walked up to the door at the West Seattle Thriftway. He tried to get in, but the workers wouldn't let him in. A lot of gas stations lock their doors at night if they're open and you just can, like, conduct business through, like, the little window. Right. It's a safety thing. Right. Longtime owner Paul Kapiaski, probably butchered that, so sorry, Walked us through the surveillance video because there is surveillance video. Well, it could be that they were closed and those were, that was a cleaning crew too. So that's the disgusting part about it, said Paul. Now there's $300 worth of damage. And this was while he was in the midst of breaking into the mobile gas station next door. 
So the woman who um, owned the, the mobile gas station has only owned it for six months. Her family's owned it for six months. Once inside, the burglar uh, stole the entire cash register. He then came back for scratch-off tickets and tobacco products. And the third time he came back, he got groceries, frozen items, sunglasses, and various other miscellaneous things. Okay. Here's, here's, here's the thing that I do know from working in retail. Is those scratch-off tickets, when he turns in the winners, they will absolutely pinpoint who stole them. Yeah, because they they have numbers on them. They're recorded yes. as to what business. Yes. When, okay, so when you put scratch-offs out for sale, you actually have to scan them into the system saying they've been activated. That whole book has been activated, which means the gas station will know which ones were stolen because if... Yep. They're not out for sale. Say they were laying in a box under the counter, but they're not activated. They will never be activated. Right. Because. So that's the first thing. But also yeah. each one has its own individual number it on it. It absolutely does. Which identifies it. Yes. So they know which ones were stolen. Yes. So when They're like goes, serial numbers yeah, for lottery they tickets. They are. So yeah, when he turns them in as winners, they will be flagged in the system as right. having been stolen. So worse... The guy who broke in was a regular customer who always paid in cash. They know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge loss. And, of course, now the business owners are scared. So the owner of the Thriftway, the one he had tried to break into. Right. But the doors were locked. He says that crime has increased and that Seattle Police Department's response has has dropped off. He actually says, in the past we've called and someone would show up in five to ten minutes. Now, they might show up two hours later, even if it's a really serious call. So, Seattle police said you should always call when a crime is committed. That way they have a record of the city's hot spots. And that the Seattle Police Department Crime Prevention Bureau can help. The one good thing is, the city of Seattle has a storefront repair fund that still has a million dollars in it. And it's, it, it's for business owners, too. Well, good. I mean, because not only does the woman have to replace all the money that was in her cash register, if they left cash in it overnight, which they might not have, but the cost of replacing a register is not cheap. Plus all the stuff that was stolen. You know, the damage that was done in stealing the register. And breaking in. You know. Yeah, that's fucked and, up. Yeah. And hopefully they have insurance. But insurance still has deductibles. When you make claims, your insurance tends to go up. And if they have him on videotape. And they know. He's a regular. If they have him on videotape doing this shit, he should be in jail. This little asshole should be fucked up and just in jail. Yeah. So how stupid can you be? I'm not sure if that refers to the criminal or the police department in that one. And I know that... And I'm not defending a lack of response, but trying to be fair here, if crime has risen, which I know that like in Portland, Oregon and a lot of those areas out there, Seattle has really, or um, not Seattle, out in Portland, Oregon and, and in other areas like that, crime has really, really risen since the pandemic. So... If the police department doesn't have more funding 
and they don't have the ability to hire more officers and crime has gone up significantly you can only respond to so many calls before you just don't have officers to respond until they're clear to go to the next call which means that calls are just going to keep building and building yes so i i'm not defending a lack of response but i'm saying there may be more to this story than we understand from the police side then i would say the citizens need to get involved and they need to find out exactly where their taxpayer dollars are going and if they're not being funneled into the police department when they need to be where are they going and that's how you make those changes you don't elect those people into office that are funneling money to places that is not helping Right. The people who are paying those tax dollars. I agree. And <clears throat> so get involved, people. Vote, 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 vote. And pay attention to what the hell is going on in your city politically wise. And if, if it's not a matter of <clears throat> the funding is going where it shouldn't, that maybe there just isn't enough funding, then consider what you could do as a citizen to help take care of each other. You know? Yeah. Because sometimes it's a matter of business owners banding together, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, making a united front that tell those criminals that this is not a good place to, to attempt your criminality in. Craziness, craziness. That's all I can say. And People are asshats. Oh, I really sincerely hope that they caught this guy. I hope he gets prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. I yep. hope that he is forced to pay restitution and then some to these businesses and I hope that these businesses are able to bounce back because nobody should ever lose their business because they were the victim of a crime and that is true that is so fucking true you know most people I think when they think true crime podcast they automatically go to the murders yeah um, but there are so many forms of true crime out there. All right, I have a story for us. All right. Have you ever heard of Palisade, Nevada? Yes, I've heard of it. I know nothing about it. Okay. Most people will have never heard of it because, honestly, it doesn't, it, it does exist, but it doesn't really exist anymore. It's nothing more than a ghost town at this point. And it hasn't been for more than 60 years. Okay. All that remains are a few wooden cabins, the falling down remains and foundations of a town, and a pretty extensive cemetery. I'd go there. Along with some railroad mm. lines and abandoned mines. I'd go there. I actually think if we ever get out that way that I would really like to go. I think it would be really interesting. I've seen pictures. You can go walk through the town. Today, there are around two dozen people living in the vicinity of Palisade, but no one lives in the town itself. Okay. The scenery there is breathtaking, and the town's history is fascinating and almost mind-boggling. It wasn't abandoned because, you know, for a lot of people, you say Palisade, and they instantly think, like, the nuclear reactor. and th This is entirely different. Right. No relation has nothing to do with it. The town was not abandoned because of something detrimental to people's health. 
So sit back and sip your drink while I take you on a very, very wild ride. All right. Do I really have to sip? This is a sipping story, yes. Damn it, we're going to need something a little different to drink. No, this is actually a perfect drink for this story. You're going to like this. Okay. Palisade is located in Eureka County. Uh, It's about halfway between Reno and Salt Lake City. The town began in 1868 as a station for the Central Pacific Railroad. It quickly became a transportation hub for the local mining companies and for the mining camps. Built along the Humboldt River, it was named for the sheer rock face that you can see from the town. So, I mean, if that doesn't put a picture in your head, how gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. In May of 1870, a post office was established. In 1874, the Eureka and Palisade Railroad was established there. Nice. The population quickly exploded. By 1880, the population had reached 600 people. Back then, that was a lot of people for a relatively small town. Okay. Nowadays, if you said a town had a population of 600 people, it would be a blink and miss it. Yes. It would be, is there even enough there to call that a town? That is true, yes. But in 1880, that was a very sizable town. Okay, yeah. Yeah, great. Give you that. The town had beautiful churches, lodges, a great variety of businesses, and a huge residential area. Huge by standards then, not today. Okay. The International Order of the Odd Fellows and the Masons built lodges in Palisade. There was a large shop built by the Eureka and Palisade Railroad where railroad cars were manufactured. This wasn't just a small blink-and-miss-it town. This was a very influential, important town. Palisade became the headquarters for the Eureka and Palisade Railroad. By 1878, more than 31 million pounds of base bullion had been shipped by the railroad. That's a lot. That is an incredible amount. Palisade, however, became known as the roughest, toughest town west of Chicago. News of senseless killings there flooded newspapers all over the nation. Articles and letters from around the nation were written regarding the waste of human life and the senseless violence, begging the law to clean up the evil town. Many rich tourists bought tickets to ride the railroad through the town where the train had a brief stop, hoping to see if the life and crime were really as brutal as they had heard. It became a must-see stop on their trip. Can you even imagine taking a train ride through a town simply in hopes of seeing a shooting, a crime? For me, that ranks right up there with dressing your family up in their Sunday best, packing a picnic, and going to watch (laughs) the criminals be hung. Oh, yes. Yes, they used to do that. That was a thing. They did used to do that. They made a whole day of it. It also goes right along with packing a picnic and going and sitting in the sand dunes to watch them blow up a whale carcass. Ew. (laughs) I guess my idea of entertainment and other people's, not the same thing. A little bit different. 
The first reported crime that made national news happened one day in 1876. Okay. The train had made its usual brief stop in Palisade. The passengers disembarking to get a quick bite to eat. Frank West, a local resident, was leaning against a fence not far from the train station. He was smoking a cigarette and minding his own business. That's what they all say. Alvin Kittleby, another local, approached Frank and began to yell at him. There you are, you low-down polecat. I've been waiting for you. I'm going to kill you for what you've done to my poor little sister. We can only imagine the story behind that. Yeah. Frank, without saying a word, simply dropped his cigarette, pulled out his gun, and shot Alvin in the (gasps) chest. Clutching his chest and screaming in pain, Alvin fell to the ground, where, within seconds, he was silent and still. Women screamed and fainted. People scattered, looking for shelter. Uh, Yeah, you think? Uh, Yeah, no shit. A group of men ran out from a nearby saloon. They gathered up Alvin's body, carrying it back to the saloon with them. (laughs) Poor Alvin. Another, well, it's not like you, what are you going to do? Call the ambulance? It's 1876, honey. Yeah, I mean, he's dead. You can't do anything about it now. Another group of town people grabbed Frank, hauling him toward the jail, with Frank screaming and fighting the whole way there. I imagine he did. It was all over in a matter of minutes, but no one who had witnessed it would ever be quite the same again. I don't think you could be. Unless you see it every day in the out. Yeah, I don't think that, you know, people were quite as accustomed to violent crime back then as people are now. True. And even now, if something like that happened in front of us, I I don't know how you're ever the same. Right. The train passengers were left frightened and confused. They had apparently lost their appetites. They abandoned their lunches and they hurried back to the train, where some brave souls peered out the windows while the rest hid, crouching on the floor and behind the seats. Everyone seemed to breathe a sigh of relief when the train pulled out of the station, headed for safety. After the train pulled out of sight, the people of Palisade came out into the streets. They were laughing. The gunfight had been a hoax. The first of more than 1,000 performances the town would stage. Yep. So the first of more than 1,000 performances the town would stage before the joke was over. The town was all in on it. The rest of the nation wasn't. Oh, my God. It was a well-kept secret. I don't know how you keep that a secret. Oh, my God. Because people are going to talk. No one outside of the town ever told the joke. Oh, yeah, because the people on the train thought that it was being dealt with, so they're just going to say, oh, my God, they're not going to complain that it wasn't being taken care of. Right. Got it. Okay. Frank was actually a cowboy from a nearby ranch. (laughs) Alvin was a buyer for a local cattle company. They had no beef with each other, and they probably enjoyed a pint of ale in the saloon after the train left. That is funny. The town continued to stage bank robberies. Shootouts with the quote-unquote sheriff, and even Indian massacres with the help of the local Shoshone Indians. 
The massacres could last as long as 10 minutes, and they used blood from the local slaughterhouse. The staged crimes lasted for years. They became more and more elaborate. No one working or riding on the railroad was ever attacked or harmed. People <laughs> never caught on to the fact, and they happily took the tales of what they saw home with them, where they reported them to their local newspapers, <clears throat> spreading the reputation and the draw to the town. In all those years, not one single crime was committed for real in that town. In fact, Palisade, Nevada didn't even have its own sheriff because there was no need for one. The residents were more than happy with the lives they led a fictional crime. <laughs> Around 1886, the mine production began to decline, and so did the population. In 1910, a series of floods devastated the town and damaged the railroad lines. The town never regained its success. By 1915, the population had dropped to 242 people. In 1917, the nearby silver mines were abandoned. In 1932, Palisade may have been the site of an assassination attempt on President Herbert Hoover. It was probably the first serious crime that may have ever taken place there for real. Shortly before the president's train was due to pass through the town, a railroad inspector reported having come across a vagrant with 22 sticks of dynamite at the railroad trestle over the river. That is not a vagrant, honey. And that when he approached the vagrant, he was assaulted by two other men, allowing the vagrant to run off. Another railroad inspector, however, claimed that there was no vagrant. So was it a real thing? Or was it an attempt to put Palisade back on the map? Hard to tell on that one. In 1938, the Eureka and Palisade Railroad abandoned Palisade. And in 1961, the post office was officially shut down. From the 1920s on, Palisade was owned by the relatives of an Atlanta businessman named John Sexton. On April 25, 2005, Sexton auctioned off the entire town. It was sold to an unnamed bidder for the total sum of $150,000. Sexton said that the money would be used to pay for college tuition for his daughter. I couldn't find any information on the new owner or on any plans they have for the town. So far, nothing at all has changed there. I think it might be amazing to take the town and turn it back into what it once was, staged crimes and all. Because it would definitely be an item on my bucket list. Hell yeah. Yeah, Palisade, very Nevada. cool, right? Very, very cool. Yeah, yeah. It kind of made me think of. Um, so I wish I could remember what it was called. So right outside of Apache Junction, Arizona. Yeah. Um, there is a little quote unquote mining town, and they. There are a couple of businesses open there. You know, there's a restaurant, there's a gift shop, there's, um, of course, they catch a ton of rattlesnakes, so there's yep. like a whole rattlesnake thing. There's the mine, which you can actually tour. It's no longer an active mine. Um, there's a bunch of different stuff, but they stage gunfights. Oh, wow. And I've been there, and it was really interesting. So, um, so yeah, when I was researching this story, and I, I just kept thinking, man... I feel like that could actually be turned into something. And I hope that someday they do choose to do something with it. Because the history 
is such an intriguing tale that it just deserves to live on. It deserves to live on. Yeah. Especially, like, I know that the little place outside of Apache Junction, they have a museum and, you know, some different... I I just think that would be a really cool... I would agree with you. That would be. But then you and I like that kind of stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. story. All right. Anything to add today? I've got nothing else. Okay. Um, Our final thought for the day. While we are waiting for the time to be right... Life is passing us by. It is. I hope that everybody has an amazing week. Thanks for being here with us. We love you guys. As always, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Hey, everyone. This is Larry from A Quickie Anytime. This podcast may contain adult innuendo and coarse language. You've been warned. Here we are. In all our glory. Uh, no. No, Mary, I don't think that means what you think it means. Naked as jaybirds. Fleeting glory. No. No, we are not naked. My eyes cannot handle that yet. Your eyes aren't even open this morning. (laughs) No, you just need to text Mary and be like, I need emergency to-go coffee. (laughs) And she'll bring you something in a cup at work. And I Jane's will around. never bitch about Timothy's weight again when I push <laughs> that bowling ball out of my... <laughs> I don't know. Ask Rob. Where the fuck is Rob? <laughs> Rob! Oh, he's not answering. Damn it. Yep. Dude, there's a lot of food. Breakfast. She brought breakfast. I brought you breakfast this morning, Larry. Well, I'm looking at the plates and I'm guessing them ain't Skittles. Where unidentified object that mine is oozing a little... Which is a little scary. Okay, ready? Let's go. I already had one. (laughs) I could go so many places with that. You know what mine tastes like? I know what your face looks like. Oh, God. Oh, squinch faced. Oh, that was squinch faced. There's some kind of taste in there that's not good. It's not good. Wash it down and eat this purple. I'm waiting for something pleasant to come into my mouth. Okay, Larry. It might be the last thing we do. There's, Larry. there's a few. Anyway. Next. <laughs> Did you have some thoughts on that? Is it pussy? It's not pussy. Oh, yeah. Damn it, that's what I thought it was. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Now we have listeners going. Apparently what? I've never mm-hmm. had pussy before. Mm. Not, not unpleasant. We then just, just popped her energy drink, Cherry. Yeah, gone. You'll never be the same again. It doesn't grow back. But then I discovered the monster. <laughs> Damn. Okay, so we've determined that Cassis is black currant. Yep. So we're basically doing a shot of rum and black currant liqueur. Yep. And it smells potent as shit. Yep. Mm. Oh. Oh, that's a horrible way to end this podcast. Bum chicka bum wum.